1: Today we've got a crazy story of revenge against a psycho ex. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, prevent me from sleeping by keeping your TV on at night? I'll just turn your power off. A long time ago, I was living in a ground floor apartment with a separate entrance in a five floor building. One night, I woke up around midnight because a neighbor from upstairs was watching TV very loudly. I was very tired and didn't want to get up get dressed, it was winter time, go in the street to the main entrance of the building and find the right apartment to make it stop. I tried ignoring it, fell asleep and woke up again. Then I hit the ceiling with a broom several times and it stopped. The same happened a few more times. It was quiet for a few weeks and then my neighbor started to do it again and it was even louder. I could recognize what he was watching, the lame TV movies that are broadcasted on public TV at night. I tried the broom again, but it didn't work anymore. The worst part was that I could almost fall asleep while the characters spoke, but then a commercial or strong background music would come and wake me up. So at around 2am, I went to find the right door. It was easy. The volume was so high I could listen to the whole show from the lobby. I knocked, rang the bell, no answer, talked through the door, no answer. I waited for a while, tried again, no answer. And then I heard snoring. The guy was sleeping, despite his TV being full volume and me banging his door. I was pretty pissed off at that point. Then I had a radical idea. As I used the common garbage bins, I had the key to the service slash utility room. I opened the power panel and tried switching off and on every breaker until I found the one that turned off his TV. I went to sleep in peace. After that night there were a couple of more times when it happened again. I went straight to the breaker each time. I guess third time's a charm because I never heard his TV again after that. I think it's kind of interesting that OP has the ability to just go and flip other people's breakers like that. I'm also surprised that this person wouldn't like go and complain that their power is flickering hot and off, but I guess they must know that they have it absurdly loud or else why else would they not complain. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our next story is Petty Little Revenge Taken on My Smoker Sister. So my sister, 22-year-old female, and I, 20-year-old male, live in a two-bedroom apartment in a city in Greece. We're both studying at the university, so my parents pay the rent and give us a monthly allowance. Last week, my sister started smoking cigarettes in her bedroom inside the house since it's winter it's fairly cold outside and she kept her window closed that means that the whole apartment smelled like smoke now the smell of smoke is really annoying to me and therefore i'm not a smoker i tried telling her that it's not fair to me that she smokes in the apartment she replied with a witchy attitude saying screw off i decided to let it slip and not make it a big deal because i thought that she wouldn't do it again next day comes I get inside the apartment, and there it is, the freaking smell of smoke, in the entire apartment. I asked her again not to smoke inside because it's really annoying to me. She told me that she's only smoking in her bedroom and that it's her right to do so. So a few days later, I come up with a revenge. This week she's having exams every day in her uni. That means that she needs a quiet environment in order to study and sleep. It was 11pm. I was sitting in the living room with my friend and decided to play some music on my phone. 30 seconds later, she rushed through the door demanding that I turn off the music immediately. I replied with the same screw off that she told me when I asked her not to smoke. Then she started getting absolutely mad and she threatened to break my phone. I told her that if she said sorry about smoking inside and promised that she wouldn't do it again, I would turn off the music. Obviously, she didn't. She went to her room and called my father and started crying and yelling on the phone. Minutes later, she wore her shoes and exited the apartment while murmuring something like, you'll see what I'll do to you. Then she slammed the door behind her. I'm really sorry that I have to act in this way. I really don't like it, but in the end, why should I respect someone that doesn't give a freak about me? What's your opinion? Did I take it too far? It's just hilarious how inconsiderate urges or not somebody can be. And then, when they get the same treatment back, they blow up and act astonished that you could even begin to treat them that way. I think OP was alright. Our next story is Stinky Feet on Plane equals Goodbye Shoe. As he wedged his large, sweaty frame into the center seat next to my aisle seat, I knew this was going to be a long flight, Pittsburgh to San Francisco. Then he took off his shoes. I'm not going to say it was the worst stink, but it was hot foot juice nonetheless should have said something right away but chose to sit there and brood. Several hours into the flight, I noticed he was sleeping. Inspiration struck. I reached under his seat and was able to get one out, by the shoestring I should add. I then carried his solo shoe all the way to the back of the plane and put it in an overhead. When we got an announcement that we were starting our descent, toes began to wake. I could feel him feeling around with his foot for his missing shoe. Then he did that awkward half bend, trying to feel with his hands, then he asked everyone around him to look. He was getting more and more panicked by the minute. I assured him it must have slid forward or backward and it would turn up. As I was exiting the plane I had a brief conversation with a flight attendant. All I said was there's a guy in seat 2C or whatever who's missing a shoe. After everyone is off, look in the overhead in the back left side of the plane. She realized what was happening and smiled. I sat outside the plane waiting for him to exit, dead last. Hope he learned a lesson. Honestly, I'm kind of surprised that the flight attendant would be smiling and willing to go along with this. Even if this dude was like a terrible passenger, why would they at all want to risk their job by seeming to like endorse this behavior? This next story is, ex-acquaintance insulted my appearance publicly, so I made sure she wouldn't get a $50,000 prize. We'll call her Missy. I imagine if she has read it, which I'm pretty sure she does, and she finds this, she'll know regardless it's about her. Missy and I were never officially friends. Our best friends were friends and often the four of us would go out together. Missy was just rude in general and often made snarky comments when I would try to engage in conversation with her. She liked being the smartest one in the room, if that's a good way to put it. When our friends went separate ways, so did we. I never heard from Missy again. That was until I joined a Facebook group. The Facebook group belonged to a certain large fandom at the height of the fandom becoming a TV show on Netflix. Several people posted their cosplay photos, so I posted mine. All around good comments and everyone was very kind, except one in particular I recognized, Missy. She had commented and insulted my makeup skills and laugh reacted the photo and went as far as insulting my gender. I'm female to male and was cosplaying a male character. I responded to reintroduce myself to her. She was shocked it was me and I tried playing nice and asking how she was. She ended up blocking me. A few months later, I saw her husband post something on Facebook about Missy being in the running for a huge social media contest and she was actually in the top 50. The prize? $25,000. I checked out her profile on the contest site and it was self-written, speaking about how kind she is and how non-judgmental she is, I had a good laugh about it. Then I found out you can vote multiple times a week, multiple times for each contestant the remaining 8 weeks of the contest, so I decided to dedicate myself to ensuring she wouldn't get the prize and be the face of the non-judgmental girl of the year, and voted against her every single day, multiple times a day, for eight weeks. She was knocked out of the running halfway through the eight weeks due to low numbers. Missy, if you see this, you'll know it was me. Don't be a witch. For those wondering, Missy's specific comments to me were along the lines of, you look like a girl trying to be a boy, laugh react and girls who try to be male characters ruin cosplay, which was the one that bothered me. This is after she had supported one of the LGBTQ organizations I volunteered at for 10 years and expressed how much she loved the main queen of the organization. It's an organization slash shadow cast of a very famous film known by Sweet Transvestite. Her support was proven to be false or under the fangirl narrative. Regardless, I still gave her a chance and private messaged her. She apparently cosplays another character from some fandom, and I said it would be cool if we did a photo together sometime. She blocked me right after I said such. Apparently she doesn't want to be associated with trans people. So when I saw she was non-judgmental on her profile slash audition, I knew that wasn't the case. Again, Missy, if you see this, you're not only pretentious in thinking you're the best Miri cosplayer out there, you're transphobic and a bully in looking like one of the characters doesn't give you a right to be a toxic mega thunder runt to people who enjoy just being themselves. Sorry you can't enjoy just being yourself without being a raging witch in return. I'm just wondering, like, what kind of narcissistic contest slash audition thing is this? You got a chance to win $25,000 just by being a goody-goody-two-shoes and getting everybody to vote for you. I feel like, honestly, almost anybody that ends up in that situation, unless it is solely championed by another person, is probably not accurately placed in that category. Like, I'm sure it's just chock full of people who are like, Well, I'm nice. I'm considerate of others. Vote for me. Our next story is item not as described. I ordered something off eBay and received an item that was not as described. It was a video game that was supposed to be sealed and a specific variation that made it worth a bit of money. My eBay account is 22 years old and I've been collecting games for nearly 20 years, so I have a bit of experience doing this sort of thing. When I received the item and found that it was not the variation described in the listing, I reached out to the seller and informed him and asked him if he would kindly take it back, as his listing was set to no returns. Guy made a huge stink about it. The item he sold me was worth maybe $20 to $30, whereas the variation it was supposed to be worth was maybe $200. I paid $70 for it so it wasn't some crazy lucky find. Just run-of-the-mill average boring stuff for a collector. Since I paid more than double what it was worth, I didn't feel like eating the cost since the listing error was his mistake. When he appeared to not be willing to do the return, I informed him that I'll just be contacting eBay and that they'll force the return. Seller started throwing around his ego, calling me a whiny peasant for asking to return it because it wasn't as described. I did some research on the guy in the community and found out he was a pretty notorious scammer with a history of this kind of behavior, called eBay and got the return authorization along with a return address. So for my petty revenge, I squirted fart spray over the cellophane and then taped it nice and airtight in bubble wrap, before putting it in a box and sending it back to him. For anyone who has never smelled this stuff before, I would say it's a mixture of diarrhea and 30 day unwashed downstairs area, absolutely putrid, difficult not to gag when smelling. So the glorious day came and he received the package. He wrote an extremely long message in the return message thread in ebay stating that he's not a rookie, so he made sure he videotaped the unboxing. So he got my prank on video and was demanding eBay make me recompensate him for the damage. I responded to the thread and gaslit him, accusing him of pretending there was a bad smell to try to scam me out of getting my refund. eBay sided with me and gave me the full refund. I acknowledge that there is a small ethical issue here damaging the value of his game with fart smell, but it was only worth around 20 bucks anyways, so I don't feel too bad. Shouldn't have called me a peasant. P.S. After I got my refund, I reached out to the guy on Facebook and asked him if he could provide me the video. He decided not to respond to that. Getting that video would have made my year. I think the whole, there's ethics here, argument went out the window when, when you received an item that was not clearly as described, they tried to double down and keep your money that was way beyond the value of that item. Our next story is, now you want a job? I don't think so. I was poor my entire life, up to and including graduate school. I was working at three jobs, had an internship, and was finishing up classes my last year. I honestly don't know where I found the time looking back. Anyhow, as a poor student, I didn't have access to all the right tech for a class project. The library had some, but they were in such demand it was difficult to get to. So as soon as I knew what I needed, I asked a classmate Penny, to help me out and she agreed. I checked with Penny a few times prior to the meeting and we were good to go. As you've probably guessed, Penny doesn't show. She doesn't answer texts, calls or emails. I frantically try to get in the library but it's like a two week wait so I can't. I email my professor for an extension. He denies it. She did the darn assignment without me. I end up with a B in the class which is not good in grad school. About two years later, I'm working in our field and Penny applies. She gets through an interview or two, then has the group interview, I'm there. She tries a friendly approach with me that I shrug off. When decision time comes, I pull for the other candidate hard. I even share the story about her screwing me over, I'm pretty sure it's why they went with the other person. And little did they know the monstrosities the other person committed. In all seriousness though, I mean I imagine the odds of it coming to this is probably pretty low. But if you're studying in a field where there's a... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkled down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door.
0: Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
1: Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Chance you might cross paths professionally with the other people? You might not want to be so willingly going around creating enemies? This next story is, punished my middle school bully and he couldn't file a complaint either. This happened during my 7th or 8th grade, in a school in India. My class had a bully who was the son of the teacher who was next in line to become the vice-principal. Basically number three in hierarchy. He was rich as well, so he naturally became a bully. He had a gang with him, but they were mostly extras filling the atmosphere. He was the prime bully. He had psychopathic tendencies in my opinion. For example, I'd seen him puncturing bicycle tires randomly with a compass, while walking through the school parking just to mess with some random kid's evening. His path didn't cross mine, and I was extra careful not to cross into his. I was many inches shorter than him and must have weighed 30-40% to less than him. I cannot stand a physical fight with him any day, even today. He was always treated different than others. For offenses which any other kid would have gotten at least a one-week suspension, he would at best get scolding from his mother and let go with a final warning every time. His mom was basically enabling him to be a bully. Years later I came to know his mom herself was a bully among the teachers pushing people out to get higher positions. I had three other friends, most of whom coincidentally were also smaller in physique like me and mostly pacifists. At some point the bully decided it was time to mess with my group. One of my three friends stayed back in class during the physical training class as he wasn't well. I stayed back with him just in case he needs help and I hated PE class as I was being forced to play volleyball when I was interested in soccer slash football. My friend needed water and I went to get some and when I came back I found my friend down on the floor and the bully and his friends were stomping him. I quickly rescued him by creating noise attracting some attention. The reason he was attacked was they were going to listen to songs in class in some portable music player and wanted to chase him away. My friend wouldn't have ratted them out anyway but they still attacked him. Complaint was filed and he was let go with another final warning. His mom underplayed it as if it was friendly mischief. A couple of weeks later, during lunch, my friends and I were changing to short pants at the restroom stalls, getting ready for PE class later that day. We didn't have any locker rooms. We were already running late when we heard the bell ring. We also heard the voice of the bully as he was telling his friends to inform the teacher he'll come in a minute. He was there all alone in the restroom and we four of us. We were still furious about the events from the other week and we don't know how we decided but we dragged him onto the floor and stomped him, exactly the same way he and his group did to my friend. We were careful not to cause any bloody bruises or serious injuries. After a few minutes of satisfying stomping, we left. He reached the class a few minutes after us. Now he looked like he'd seen a ghost. And when the teacher asked what happened, he just said that he slipped and fell down. He couldn't inform or complain to anyone that he got beat up by four short, weak nerds. That would make him lose his bully status. We ensured that a rumor spread around the class that he got his butt kicked by someone in the restroom, but never revealed to anyone that it was us. So everyone kind of knew what happened, but he kept denying that and he couldn't officially complain against us as well. We LOVED that sweet spot. We were afraid he'd try to corner one of us again, but maybe he was afraid that we'd hit back, and he avoided eye contact with us ever since. All I can say is violence is never the answer, but sometimes it is. It's nice that you were able to instill some kind of respect for others, even if it had to uh, come about by physical means. Our next story is Tried to Rip Me Off. I bought a trolling motor on eBay for $500, like new the listing said. I got the huge package and opened it, it wasn't the model he claimed, a $217 difference. I quickly wrote him telling him this and offered to keep it if he pays half the cost to convert it to the other model, 5 speed versus variable, he refused. I went back in the garage and checked the motor over and saw it was damaged. The prop was chipped, shaft bent. A new armature costs $150 for the parts. He obviously hit rocks and tried to sell me a broken trolling motor. I wrote and told him about all that, and he refused to accept return. I contacted eBay. They sided with me, but then he called them and they reversed their decision, siding with him now. So I called and mentioned the damage along with the wrong model, and they reversed it again, siding with me. So I had to repackage this huge motor, about 3 feet wide by 7 feet long and weighed 90 pounds. I had to take it back to the dock at PO because it was so big. A few days later, I was wondering if he got it yet so I could get refunded. Then a UPS truck pulled up with a trolling motor. He listed the wrong address and it was returned to me. I called eBay again, I wasn't happy. They checked and found it was his error and he was now supposed to send me a new shipping label, $97, but he never did. So after a certain amount of time I again contacted eBay and they told me they would refund me my $500 and said I could keep the trolling motor. I replaced the $20 prop, the $217 switch and the $150 armature and used the motor for years. It cost me about $400 to fix but I ended up with a $700 trolling motor. He got nothing and was out $97 shipping costs. Yeah, thankfully eBay's actually pretty good about protecting their buyers. In a situation like this, I'm willing to speculate this guy probably just had it as junk and was trying to flip it for some easy cash. And once it got to the point where they're like, well, you gotta provide a new shipping label, probably just wasn't worth it to this guy and he treated it as junk. Thankfully, if that person doesn't accept the return and doesn't give you any support, eBay will just refund you and take the money back from the seller. Our next story is, the only free cakes are ruined ones? Okay. In the early 2010s, I worked in a supermarket bakery slash deli. Since most of my shifts were closing shifts, one of my tasks was to gather all of the expired bread, cakes, pastries, etc. and scan them out to be thrown away some days this might be one or two loaves of bread sometimes it was a pile of perfectly good edible food for example the cinnamon buns had a one day sell date if i baked them on monday afternoon i would need to throw them away tuesday night it was company policy at the time as it is unfortunately a lot of places that all food past its sell-by date had to be thrown in the trash employees were not allowed to take anything home for free Even if it was literally about to be thrown in a trash bag, they would need to pay for it. We also couldn't donate the food to food pantries, community groups, or homeless shelters. Early on, I even asked the store manager to clarify why we couldn't donate or give away the food or take it ourselves. His response was that it was a liability. What if someone got sick, etc. It's all BS, I know. There's plenty of places like Panera Bread that give away day-old bread at the end of the night and the vast majority of the food I threw away was still perfectly good. But store policy was store policy, and I could have gotten fired for stealing food about to be thrown away. Granted, I was a poor college student, so often I would smuggle home small items that could fit in my bag, like bagged rolls or cinnamon buns. A few months into the job, my bakery section supervisor was carrying a stack of sheet cakes out of the walk-in freezer and one fell off the top. The plastic clamshell lid didn't come off, so no food touched the floor, but the cake inside was smashed and unsellable. She told me to mark the cake as shrink, product loss, and said I could put it in the employee break room. I realized in that moment that because the cake wasn't expired, just visually unappealing and unsellable, employees were allowed to eat it. Wouldn't you know it, after that I found myself becoming increasingly clumsy and always with items that were set to expire the next day. I would still have to throw away a truly egregious amount of food each night, but at least I could provide free cakes and pastries to my other minimum wage co-workers. I do think, sadly, there is some level of truth to the whole liability thing. I'm not sure how companies like Panera Bread, like OP suggested, get around that, but I have certainly heard stories of situations that would make companies maybe fearful of doing so but maybe that's just a really big excuse, I don't know. Our next story is called corporate on me, still kept my job. So about six months back, I got into a fight at work over finding out my ex cheated on me with a girl who was trying to be my friend. He didn't admit to it until almost a year later, really just drama. Well, I had to deliver to her one night. Well, we got into it and it almost got physical. After delivering she followed me down to the store and proceeded to scream at my manager and we got into a full on argument to the point that the cops came. She called corporate saying that she feared for her life, that I was inappropriate and that I shouldn't have a job and never be hired. She also gave me only $20 out of a $40 order. She made sure to tell everyone how she got her pizza for half price because of our scuffle Well, my district manager had to do a whole investigation on me, didn't write me, told me that I would be let off, and gave me a pay raise. She came in one night and saw I was still working and continued to call corporate, stating I was stealing money, smoking on the job, you name it. Corporate put her on a no-contact list. She can't be delivered to anymore, and every time they order food, it's always raw, and there's no one she can complain to. I also put them in the system as a prank caller, so anytime they try to order, we hang up. It's kind of a win for me. It was the pettiest thing I ever did and not my proudest moment, but I'm glad I have my job to continue to support my family. The classic age-old, this person makes me fear for my life. That's why I followed them back to the place they work and are verbally attacking them here. Because I am fearing for my life. This next story is... My boss liked to punch down. This took place back in 1989. I used to work with a company that had a contract to provide temp workers for the city government and its various agencies. In addition to having a full array of secretarial skills, typing, business writing, dictaphone transcription, records management and filing, key punch data entry, etc. I came equipped with four years bachelor's and volunteer experience in the arts including commercial display and design. Because of the last part, I got a job working at our convention center. In addition to clerical work, I worked with a manager doing the hallway and main lobby displays that focused on our local attractions, holiday displays, etc. It was a sweet gig that I worked half days for, while also temping in the city legal office in the afternoons. At least it was until my boss, who was a big-ish art collector, got crosswise with another city organization she tried manipulating into providing public art for her office, but which had been budgeted for and earmarked for the city council chambers, and she asked me to lie to lie to the very person who was and had been my personal friend for about 15 years at the time and who was the public official who ran the city's public arts office. My boss wanted me to lie to my friend in order to get minutes from a board meeting that she wanted to review and which had not yet been finalized and published. She was not a board member. She was not authorized to review and mark up minutes of that meeting. I told her I needed her request in writing. She did, heavily underlining instructions that I was not to tell my friend who was asking for those minutes. I failed. I couldn't get those minutes for love nor money. When a secretary asked me specifically if my supervisor had sent me, I didn't lie. They sent me off. I reported back to my boss that the office would provide the minutes once the board had approved and published them. So she fired me and lied to my employer who I had already provided a photocopy of her written instructions about it. Faxes were wonderful things back then. I was darn upset and crying, which was how I dealt with anger that had nowhere to go, when my friend in the public arts office ran into me. Retaliation is an ugly thing. Anyway, as a temp, I was pretty powerless but my friend was not. He understood my boss put me in a bind and her firing me was unfair. The revenge was not mine specifically but my friend's, he used his social connections with all of his artist friends to tell the story of how I got crap canned for basically refusing to lie to him on her behalf. She found herself banned from several major galleries and a couple major art fairs. There turned out to be several dozen artists who refused to sell anything to her at all. About 10 years later. She looked me up and asked me to go to bat for her and ask them to rescind all of their bans since my friend had since died. I got the pleasure of telling her, no. After all that and pressuring somebody to lie, you have the gall down the road 10 years later to hit that same person up and say, hey could you go at bat for me, you know, ignoring all the stuff that I tried to do to you back then, who in their right mind is going to A care enough to help them out after all of that 10 years later and be have any interest certainly wouldn't be me but with that being said that's all the time we have for today now if you want to hear another absolutely crazy story of revenge check out that video on the left or if you missed my latest video check out that video on the right that said i'll see you all next time with some more stories